Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode of Contractor Evolution from Breakthrough Academy. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Contractor Evolution. This is Benji. I hope you're doing fantastic. It is strategic planning time here at Breakthrough Academy. Our 500 plus members are all reflecting on the year that was 2022, the highs, the lows, the lessons, and they're using all of that insight to inform and build their plans and visions for 2023. And you should be doing this too, by the way. Strategy is another one of these terms that gets tossed around so much that it it loses some meaning. Most entrepreneurs will make mental associations between strategy and other ideas like goals for the future, a well-laid plan, a list of priorities for the organization, stuff like that. But these simplistic definitions leave a lot of room for differing interpretations and abstractions. So there's a lot more to unpack here because if you confuse, you lose. Today's conversation is with Alex Breckman, a strategic facilitator facilitator and the author of The Strategy Legacy, which comes out in 2023. Alex, originally from Germany, is a music journalist and DJ turned strategy consultant turned entrepreneur. After 15 years of fine-tuning his philosophy and his process in the corporate world, he now gives small to medium-sized businesses access to the tools and the techniques that Fortune 500 companies use to dial in their strategy and create the clarity and direction teams, large or small need to get bought in and execute. We've organized this conversation around the do's and the don'ts of strategic planning. He's going to give you three best practices that will drive results and three avoidable mistakes that will leave you spinning your wheels. Um, Today, expect to learn how to avoid the blank stares when unveiling your strategy to the team, why you need to create an emotional connection and not just a list of linear steps, and how to combat shiny object syndrome, the widespread entrepreneurial ailment. Hope you enjoyed this conversation. It was super insightful and fun. By the way, you can download Breakthrough Academy's one-page strategic planning tool or find out more about Alex. We'll have links for both of those in the description. Let's dive in. You're watching Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. You're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability. You've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Hey, Alex, welcome to the show, man. I'm excited to have you. Thank you very much. Hello, how are you doing? I'm really well. Uh, I'm doing really well. I'm looking forward to diving into all things strategy with you. We've obviously um, spoken a little bit offline and, and kind of got ready for this conversation today. But for our listeners who who don't know you at all, um, give us like your backstory, but most importantly, like how and when and why you, you really fell in love with strategy. Well, I would say... The first time I fell in love with strategy wasn't until I was in business school. Um, and even that is maybe a bit too early, to be honest. So strategy wasn't really my thing up and until I was 30 years old, I would say. After business school, when I was 
um, back into the, the real world, the corporate world, um, I started to work as a strategy manager and kind of understood strategy in the context where it happened. So it wasn't theoretic anymore. It was very practical. It had direct impact on people. That's, that's where my love with strategy began. And before that, I was, um, I was a radio host. Um, I'm actually a journalist by trade. So I designed and ran um, news shows and later uh, different kinds of, of radio shows. And um, that whole love with business and the, the strategy side of things came only um, in my late 20s and early 30s. You've got a book coming out sometime next year. I think I think you said in the summer of 2023. Um, I, I can't wait to read it. It's called The Strategy Legacy. Do you want to tell us a bit about it and, and why you wrote it? The book is capturing what I did for the past 15 years, which means I helped large corporations like Fortune 50 companies and, and also smaller businesses, of course, to um, create their strategy processes in a way that they go beyond just money so that businesses and the people that work within these businesses use the process of creating strategy to actually create more than just the business piece of it. And um, I described the whole process in that book. I laid it all out, um, including templates, exercises, and everything, so that um, everyone can use it. And I use language that is that doesn't require anyone to have any prior knowledge of business or strategy, because I feel actually strategy needs to be for everyone. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. You've you've come from like the big business world, the corporate world. Now you now you have uh, you know you, would you call yourself a management consultant? Like what what is what's your kind of what's your business? What's your world today? To maybe describe like what you're up to in 2022, the businesses you help, and and with what in particular. I call myself actually a strategy facilitator okay. because the, the terms coach and consultant, they are sort of misleading for me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't suggest everyone knows what a facilitator is, but the point is I'm not coming in telling you what to do and how to run your business. I help you through the process that I also lay out in my book um, so that you can define where you want to be and how you want to get there without anyone coming in trying to tell you how to run your business. You are the one that knows how to run your business better than anyone else. But sometimes it needs this outside, um, I don't want to say hand-holding, but showing you doors that you yeah. don't even know exist. And I open the doors for you. That's what I do. And all of a sudden you experience this whole new world where you can pull the best things out that, that work for you and incorporate them in your business. And the companies that I work with today, they are literally from solopreneurs to Fortune 50 companies. You, you do the whole gamut, as big as they get and as small as they get. Yeah, because I get a kick out of both. Um, I mean, working with small businesses is extremely exciting because they're so fast in implementing what they create. When we create a new strategy together, they just are all in. They just do, you know. And with the big businesses, for me, the kick is just to see how we can how we can turn these huge tankers um, and it's, I like both. I like the speedboats and I like the big tankers. <laughs> <laughs> They're both fun. You're on the water either way. Um, so this is kind of a perfect time to have this conversation. When this releases, it should be, uh, it's the end of October right now as we're recording, but this should be coming out, I think, somewhere near Christmas. Most of our listeners right around this time of year are going to be doing a lot of deep thinking about the year they just had, what went well, what did not what's on their mind next year. They're kind of uh, doing 
the deep thought required to uh, paint a bit of a picture for the future. So I wanted to have you on in particular because most of, certainly all of our Breakthrough Academy members w- will have been taught a, uh, a, a fairly good, um, but I would say basic and simple like strategic planning framework that we, that we have them use and it helps them sort of chart out big picture goals and break them down into smaller goals and, and really uh, create a, peer, a clear path to success for the following year. Um, it's not perfect though. And today mm-hmm. I wanted to have you on to kind of give us a more advanced take, show us some best practices that you see the most sophisticated business owners use, and then help us avoid some major pitfalls that you saw, you see a lot of people fall into. And so we're going to structure this in terms of like the do's and don'ts of strategy. We're actually going to start with the don'ts because I think beginning with mistakes is easier and then we'll move into best practices <laughs> after. But by the way, if you're listening to this and you want to download our Breakthrough Academy um if you want to break, if you want to download our Breakthrough Academy Strat Planning template, it will be available in the downloads, uh, in the description of this podcast. You can just click that download, listen to what Alex is going to have to say here, and then sort of sprinkle it over top of that framework because it's gonna, um, it's gonna take it to the next level. Let's dive into the don'ts. What are some of the big mistakes that you see business owners, big or small, making when it comes to strategy, Alex? I think the first one we could call don't confuse strategy with tactics. You need both. You need tactics and you need strategy, but don't confuse the two. And a lot of times when I start talking with people about strategy, they would use that term for all kinds of things that aren't strategy. It's just a term that sounds fancy for some and therefore they use it without even going into detail what it actually means and what it is. And actually, we need tactics, we need strategy, and we need a third element that that is called foresight. So when we talk about tactics, they link back to signaling. Signaling is understanding what's going on around you, like in the very, very near future. So what are the uh, economic developments telling me? What, what does that mean for my business? And you, you use these types of questions to understand how to react and to kind of make sure that the wrecking ball that's coming your way is deflected, right? right? So it's about risk um, prevention in the end. That's signaling. Making sure that what's happening around you in the near future doesn't kill you. Strategy is about the two to three years ahead of you. How does your business look like in two to three years and how do you make sure you actually get there? This is a lot about prioritization, about saying no to a whole lot of things and about being very clear on how you get to that desired state. And when we talk about foresight, this is this goes beyond your current strategic cycle. So beyond the two, three years you're planning. This is about understanding the bigger macroeconomic development. Every business is operating in a context, and we need to understand that context because it informs decisions that we that we that we make today that will set us up for competitive advantage in the future. To make this very tangible, when we talk about um, one of the mega trends right now is every, everything around longevity. How can you live a healthier, longer life? Mm-hmm. If you if you take this mega trend and say you you run a business in I don't know, let's say you have a fashion brand, you know, um, and you produce yoga pants. Um, if you use that 
that foresight, you can shift your business from being a part of that health environment. Yoga is about a healthier life, you know, but then you switch your business model entirely because you understand that anything around longevity, about AI, about big data can help you make the big bets for the future of your business. And instead of asking yourselves, how and where can I sell more yoga pants or can I even add a yoga line for men and go from retail to mobile sales? This is all within your domain today. Mm -hmm. But thinking about what's uh, thinking about the mega trends in the future helps you make those big bets that will position you and outperform your competitor because it's very likely that they did not do this exercise. But because That's it's so because it's so f- so far out there in the distant future, our our ability to truly like strategize on any uh, on a practical level is difficult. It's more just like in broad strokes. I think things are going in this direction, so I'm going to try to position our our business entity to capitalize that on that as well as we can. You know, five years out, ten years out, twenty years out, beyond. Strategy is a more medium term. Um, approach. And I wanted to actually just have you, you know, you said something there, like a lot of people throw this word around. Uh, They call things that aren't strategy, strategy. It's become a little bit, the term itself has become a little watered down. Can you just sort of set the record straight for us? What is, what is the Alex Breckman definition of strategy? It's a framework that you create that helps you take decisions that bring you to a desired state in the future. So if you say today I run um, a successful landscaping business or anything in that realm, you can imagine what it is that you want to have built in the next two to three years. And you write that down in a very specific way. Where do you operate? Who are your clients? Um, What is it that you produce or what are your services? All these things are very, very concrete. You even can go down to that level where you say, I want to grow from our current, I don't know, 1 million business to 5 million. You can, you can, that's your vision. That's where you want to be. You write all these things down and then you create a prioritized plan and benchmark every decision along the way against this plan. That's what strategy is. Mm-hmm. It helps you move forward into the unknown, into the future, because you, you've never been there. You don't know it. So that framework helps you to take decisions as they come your way so that you don't lose sight of what you want to build. That's what strategy is in a nutshell. And then what are, what are tactics and how do they intersect with strategy? Just while, while we're on the theme of defining words and sort of, uh, and semantics here, how are, how are those different? Tactics is really about how you perform certain tasks, how you reach certain, let's say sub goals, if you want, right? Give you an example. Let's say you are that landscaping company that wants to grow from 1 million to 5 million revenue, um, is currently maybe active in um, a part of the lower mainland, and you want to serve, let's say, the, the two or three big spots um, in British Columbia, right? So you want to have a presence in Kelowna, for example. You want to have a presence, I don't know, in Kamloops, and you want to obviously serve the whole lower mainland, and maybe, I don't know, Whistler, God knows what. And so your question is, how do you actually do that? And when breaking this down into what will actually bring me to that stage, you will identify certain priorities and other things that probably won't help you get there. Mm -hmm. And then you break down these priorities into actions. And within these actions, that's that's where the tactics are. Because we're talking about, for example, 
competitive positioning. So how do you outperform the companies in a similar spot in those markets where you want to enter? But these are tactics. That's not strategy. Strategy is the big picture. Okay, got it. Um, those terms are not to be used interchangeably. Can you talk a little bit about the role that a really uh, well-structured strategy has in combating distractions? Entrepreneurs are very uh, creative, oh, yeah. ideas-focused types, which is a gift, but also a bit of a curse at times. You can veer, you can be veered off course very easily. How does this help with that? I'm an entrepreneur myself, and I know exactly what you just described. I have this every day. I have a new idea coming up every day. And rather than taking this idea and being like all over it and um, restructuring my calendar for the next two days to make space for this idea, I ask myself, the first thing I ask myself is, how does that fit into my current strategy? Where does it plug in to help me reach the goals that I myself identified as something worth achieving? with deep thought, with a lot of thinking that went into this. So now comes this idea. There is no deep thought and no thinking that went into this. It's, it's right now, all I know is a shiny object and a distraction. If I give that shiny object and that distraction too much time, that time will never come back to work, to allow me to work on my big goals, on my vision, on my strategy. So shiny objects are a disaster. They drag us down. They, they bring us all over the place. And especially if you're a little bit ADHD, you're like one day you're here, next day you are there. And all of a sudden, another year went by and you realize you haven't made any progress towards your big vision. Yeah, and I that's think where that a strategy really helps you. This is one of the great ways to put blinders on as an entrepreneur, which you do need at time. Um, get yourself really tunnel visioned on the stuff that does matter. What's the, what's Benji, the what's, what's Benji, Benji, what's really important in this context is to understand one thing. The strategy is not just really blinders and you're only focused on what you want to build. A strategy, as I said, gives you the framework that helps you take the decision whether this idea is really worth pursuing or whether you just discard it. Um, it's not about not taking care of it. It's about understanding how it potentially plugs in and helps you accelerate the way to your vision. That's a really great point. I, I because it's not as though uh, good, sometimes you actually do have these you know flash in the pan ideas that actually that really are quite brilliant, and you do want to do something with them. But it needs to be considered against the strategy, and so that is that when you say it's a framework that allows you to take decisions, that that's what you mean. Nine out of ten times, it's going to be something that you do just need to. Uh, uh, yes. <laughs> have come and go, but then one in 10 times it actually does fit within that framework that you've, that you've built. Um, and then you run with it and that is, so it's not, it's not just like permanently batting away ideas. It's getting the right ones and ignoring the rest. What's, um, what's the next big don't, what's the next big mistake that you see when it comes to strategy? That people celebrate too early, that they confuse quick wins and low hanging fruits with actually having achieved their vision and their bigger goals. What do you mean by that? When you take a look around, there are often people just celebrating their achievements. And I always ask myself like posts on LinkedIn or other social media channels, people boasting about what they have created and achieved. And I often ask myself, is this a big achievement in itself? Is that something that you worked for maybe two or three years to get there? Or is this just one step on the way to something bigger? And what would that bigger piece actually look like? 
And um, it's just a question that, that I ask myself out of curiosity. It's no judgment or anything. It's just really trying to understand what are they celebrating right now? And very often I don't see it. And potentially the reason is potentially that they don't know themselves, that they haven't asked themselves this question. And if you celebrate your wins too early, it's like kind of, you know, taking two steps on the, on the, on the, on the staircase. And then you stay there and you think you, you are there and you pop the champagne and just later you realize that everyone else has run past you because you <laughs> celebrated a bit too much, too early, too fast, too long. Well, but okay. Here, so, so, but I, you know, I could make the case that some people need encouragement. Maybe not everyone is as stoic and as long-term focused as you are. In fact, in many businesses, you would have employees that do need lots of pats on the back, lots of attaboys, lots of celebratory, celebratory stuff along the way. Two or three years is a long time. Are you saying that we shouldn't acknowledge like little victories or little wins along the way? Yeah, that's absolutely what I say. Fun is for losers. I'm kidding. <laughs> of course. I mean, you need to celebrate your successes and that's called leadership. You need to celebrate. I mean, if you aren't giving your people the recognition and the bat on the uh, pat on the back that they deserve, they are faster out the door than you can think. That's not what I'm saying. You need to celebrate those milestones. But be clear what you're celebrating. You're celebrating a milestone, not necessarily what you've worked for so hard over two or three years. And, and there is a difference. You can celebrate both, but you need to, need to be mindful about what it actually is that you're celebrating. It's interesting when you put that in the context of today's kind of like social climate. We you know, we always end up talking on lots of episodes about social media and Instagram and what TikTok has done to society. We shorten attention spans. <laughs> um, there has become this sort of over celebrating culture where people are, like you say, popping bottles over like relatively little stuff, you know, just basically doing the minimum. It's like, Hey, we completed a task or, Hey, we had a sale happen this week or, Hey, we like got a job done. And all of a sudden it's this massive victory. I do. Is there anything else you can say? Like I, I because I, I don't agree with that. And I think that you should save those big moments for the big moments but is there anything else you can say about finding that balance and giving people the encouragement that they need while not maybe getting too excited too early and taking your foot off the gas? I think there's a huge difference between giving someone a pat on the back and making it a public announcement and popping a bottle. There, there is a huge difference in that. And you should, you should pop bottles when something really extraordinary happens. And I'm not meaning literally pop a bottle. This is just a metaphor. Good course. metaphor. What I mean is like celebrating big time. Um, celebrating throughout the way to achieving your vision is actually something that I encourage people to do because most likely they've never done it that way before. And they've never done taken one intentional step after the next to get to this goal that they have in front of their eyes two or three years down the road. Yeah. If you make those big, big moments happen, if you reach those milestones, this is something you need to celebrate. But it is a huge difference between celebrating every operational step that you make versus celebrating the wins on the way to your strategic vision. 
Yeah. 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 I get it. I totally get it. I kind of like the point you made about private versus public, like, like encouragement and support and excitement should be done maybe in a one-on-one capacity or within small teams. But when you sort of do this performative publicizing of even the small, I mean, Matt, spend 10 minutes on LinkedIn and it's like, people, it's like a bit much. People are like making these long sob story posts for basically just doing their job it's like like come i'm on, so I'm excited like, and humbled right every post that starts with i'm so excited and humbled i'm like get back to again. work dude yeah i feel you okay i love that uh you're a cynic like me um what's the third <laughs> what's the third don't that you see not doing the hard work strategy is hard work building a successful business is hard work and i'm not saying it's literal physical hard work it's the hard work goes into thinking deep enough, going into the details. Because when it comes to strategy, it's very easy to paint a big picture and, and, and write down a fluffy vision statement and a grand goal that you want to um, achieve. The devil is in the detail. And I'm saying that because I have it seen so, so many times for solopreneurs, for smaller businesses and for big businesses that they don't really go into the details. And it's very often that they are afraid of what they find there because they might find something that makes their big dream unattainable, or at least in parts, they need to rethink and reevaluate some of their assumptions. And that can be painful for people. But what's the alternative? I mean, you, you can just waste your time and try to achieve something and don't achieve it and be totally devastated by it. Um, in the end, even go out of business because you didn't go into as much detail as possible. And I've seen business go out of business because of that, because they were only superficial when it came to their strategy. It all sounded great. It all looked good on paper. But when someone like me comes in and asks two to three probing questions, we know exactly what to look out for and how to help people through a few questions to test some of the assumptions that they have. And then you really know whether you're detailed enough or not. So how do we know how do we know if we've kind of hit the right mix? Because this again is a bit of a tightrope walk. There's a level of detail which becomes um, almost like OCD level and to some degree counterproductive because if you yes. are um, if you are suggesting that you know exactly how everything is gonna go 18 months out to you know right all the way down to like the pixel level of detail you're probably kidding yourself because let's be real stuff happens along the way and you you likely will be way off and what's worse is you spent a whole bunch of time imagining this picture that you're not going to achieve it's just not realistic or it's um or it's it's just too well defined so you can you can overdo this but then you can also underdo which i think is probably a lot more common let's be real where people just kind of do these fluffy mission statements and lofty goals and, you know, write some stuff down on a whiteboard and then call it a day. Uh, That's probably more common. So how, you know, is there maybe a test we can do with ourselves just being, being realistic with our own company and our own, our own plan where we say, you know what, this is probably enough. This is right. This is the sweet spot where, where details are concerned. I think going back to the to what we said earlier, that strategy is a framework against which you take decisions along the way. This helps you understand what I'm actually what I actually mean when I talk about details. I'm not talking about defining each and every step and activity 18 months down the road. 
Life is what happens while you're busy making plans. So forget it. 18 months from now, the world will look different. So don't even go there. What you need to have in place, though, is a very solid understanding of how your priorities, the things, the framework that help you make those decisions, support each other, how they connect, what comes first, what comes second, what comes third. There is a huge difference between a high-level vision statement and a thought-through decision framework called a strategy, taking that and comparing it to a micromanaging level where every activity and every step on the way is being defined. There's a huge difference between those things. And I, I totally agree with you, Benji. Most people, they, they think they don't want to go somewhere into that level of detail because they would maybe even corner themselves and pigeonhole themselves. And then I would only be allowed to do these things. That's not strategy. That's, yeah. that's not what we're talking about. This is where we leave the area of strategy and go into the area of operational work. And that's not what I mean when I talk about details. Um, when I talk about detail, what I mean is understand the big picture and how the elements in your big picture support each other and therefore understand what you need to do first, second, and third. Yeah, it's interesting. I have noticed with the like the really high performers that we work with versus maybe the the showboaters um, who we we don't work with, but I, I meet at conferences and events, and I especially notice this in like the roofing environment. No offense, roofers, if you're driving around in your car right now, please don't be offended by this. You know what I'm talking about. You go to a roofing conference. Uh, this is very sales focused. It's very chest beating, especially in the states. Um, and here's what I've noticed. When you talk to really high performers about their vision for the future and you ask them follow-up questions, so let's just use like this sort of fake example. Like you, you talk to someone and they say, we really want to get to 20 million in the next three years. And then you ask them a few, like you say, probing questions, a few how questions. Um, you say, okay, that's really interesting. Have you, like, have you thought about how your tech stack would need to evolve and what softwares are going to need to be incorporated so that you'll have the visibility and like the inter-team communication to do that? You know, that's not, that's not exactly a heavy hitting question. I would say it's a fairly basic question. The, the high performers will go, yeah, I have. I have thought about it. Here's what I think. And they'll give you a bit of an answer, but they'll sort of like, they'll earmark it with, that's what I, you know, that's kind of what I think will happen, but we'll see, we'll see how this goes in the next year and a half. Maybe something will change, but that's kind of what I have in my vision right now. Whereas if you ask a low performer, another sort of basic follow-up question, you know, the answer, I'm kind of hamming this up, but they'll just be like, well, we're just going to sell a lot or we're just going to believe in ourselves or we're just going to work hard. Like it's, they don't have, they don't have the depth of thought. They don't have the high definition uh, clarity in their vision that the high performers do. And that's always been a huge, if you track the trajectories of those entrepreneurs for, th for three years out, you would see the people that have the detail, their businesses are much more profitable, much healthier, much larger. They're working less. They have a better sense of control. The, the showboaters um, are literally exactly where they were three years ago and st still saying that they're going to be 10 times as big next year. Or they needed to pivot. What do you mean? The, the, those are often the guys that then tell you they needed to pivot because of something oh, yeah, and needed to yeah, do yeah, something yeah. else. Right, right, right. Yeah. There's a lot of bad decisions that are hit, you know, hid behind the term pivot. We had to pivot. Exactly. It's just a good catch-all for, for, 
bad entrepreneurship. I know what you mean. Okay, so those are the don'ts. Let's do a quick recap. Don't confuse strategy with tactics. Uh, don't think you are there when you're not. Don't celebrate too early, in other words. Um, and then and then the third is like not doing the hard work of getting into the details. Let's move into the do's. Like what are the best practices? I'm, I, the, And these are, we'll set this up by saying like, these are things that you see your highest performing businesses do very, very well. And there's three of them. Um, the f- tell tell us the first, and let's let's dive in there. The first one is really con- uh, make, making sure that your vision is not just rationally sound, but has a very very strong emotional connection with you and the people in your business. And what I mean with that is when you paint a picture about the future, which what is often called a vision statement, you need to make sure that people understand rationally what this means, but also emotionally embrace it. And that comes a lot down to the language that you use. So when you write a vision statement, make sure your heart and your brain is in that vision. It's reflected in there, right? So don't just put one rational rational sentence after the next. Don't just write down numbers and one step after the next or things like that. Make people feel it. Tell us why this matters. What what is the emotional element of that? Mm -hmm. And um, with that comes making sure that this vision encapsulates your why as a company. What is the impact that you want to create? Why you? Mm-hmm. What, what is the problem out there in, in the world, in the community, in the city where you live and where you operate? What is the problem that you are uniquely positioned to solve? Mm-hmm. That's I- what I mean when I say purpose or impact. And back it up with measurable data. Back it up with something that makes your vision not sound fluffy, but actually tangible. And then the third element is detail and aspiration. You can, you can talk about your aspirations as long as you want. If you don't put enough detail to it, then a certain type of employee might just be like, yeah, here, here we go again, another big dream. You know, In order to help people emotionally and rationally embrace that vision that you're painting so that they are on board with it and be like, Hey, this sounds cool. I want to be part of that. I want to make sure I contribute my two cents to making this reality. I want to be with this business on the way to achieving that vision. Those are the three things, heart and brain, purpose and measurability, detail and aspiration. If you put these into practice and and inform your vision statement, writing your vision statement with the, with these three balanced pairs, then you're on a very good start um, to creating something that is not just fluff. Yeah, I think that's the thing we want to avoid. Like, is is when we get into this sort of um, why, mission, purpose, it's it's easy to veer into. It's very very easy to 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 veer into fluff and have people have your team basically look back at you being like. I've either, I have no idea what you said, or I heard you, but I don't really care. Is there any other like practical steps that you, when you're, when you're facilitating strategy with, with a client, are there any other practical steps that you just tips you have to make it concrete and to make this stuff, which is incredibly important, this purpose stuff sink in so that someone goes, Oh, I totally get it. Number one. And more importantly, I really want to chip in. I really want to contribute to that purpose also. I think that the first step 
is demystifying all these words. What is purpose? What is impact? What is mission? Mission? What is a vision? Really understanding what these things actually are. That's not tree hugger stuff. This is serious business. When you talk about a mission, what is your mission? I, I, this is like a mission is one sentence. A mission is I do this for this target group. That's a mission. There is no fluff. There is no fancy adjectives in there. If you're a roofing company for um, commercial businesses in the lower mainland, that's your mission. Full stop. A, a mission is a business definition. What do you do and for whom? And if you're not clear about that, and especially bigger businesses are very often not clear about who they are and who their clients are. The bigger you get, the more confused your people in the business get about what you actually do and for whom. Mm -hmm. Just take, I don't know, General Electric and ask anyone what they do and for whom. This is a very different picture than asking um, a bricks and mortar business around the corner what they do and for whom. So defining those terms and being clear what they mean rather than just using terms like vision, strategy, mission, this is the first step. Getting rid of blah and fluffy terms and, I don't know, undefined terms is the first important step of bringing everyone into the boat and helping them understand what you're actually talking about. Are there other terms you can demystify for us? Are there other ones that kind of float around in the modern business sphere that people use incorrectly that drive you crazy? You give us a great definition. How much definition. time do we have? <laughs> Enough to give us a couple. I mean, is there a is there an Alex <laughs> Breckman definition for you gave us, you know, mission? What how is that different from vision? How is that different from like a why or your purpose? Yeah. Like demystify a couple my, others while in, we're at it. In my upcoming book, the one that you mentioned, um, I actually introduce a framework that's called the nine elements of organizational identity. And those nine elements that sit in this framework, I actually define them very, very clearly. And those are exactly those terms. What is a mission? What is a vision? What is purpose? Why does no one care about your purpose? Why do people care about your impact more than they care about your purpose? Um, capabilities, targets, goals, Management systems, all these terms are some have a hundred different definitions. And that's exactly the issue because we don't care about the terms anymore. We just use them and imply that the person we talk to has the same understanding about these terms than we have. And very often they have no idea how we use these terms. This is one of the biggest problems in com communication in general. And when it comes to strategy, communication is the most important thing, because if you can't define your strategy and communicate it in terms that everyone in your business understands them, then guess what happens to your strategy? Nothing, right. because businesses don't implement strategies. The people in these businesses do. So that's why we need, and, and I think that's the second to do, make strategy something for everyone. That's everyone a good segue. needs to understand it. That's a good segue. Make strategy for everyone is, is the second do. Um, unpack what you mean by that, making it for everyone. If you have, um, let's stay with that example, a roofing company, and you have, I don't know, 50 people working for you, then... There are 50 people with their own dreams, their own hopes, their own aspirations, their families, their friends, their hobbies. If these people see your business just as someone they help grow and therefore get money, then this is a transactional relationship. They come to work, they do their job, they go home and take their paycheck with them. 
transactional. I do this, I get this. That's not how strategies are being implemented. Strategies are being implemented when people stay with you for the longer term because they believe in your cause. They believe and understand that what, you're, what you want to build is something worth building, something worth being a part of. But that only happens when people understand what their contribution is to bringing this picture to life, to achieving this vision. If you help them understand what their part is and even help them grow on the way and help them become more and more aspirational, more inspired, more you name it, then they see that you are there for more than just providing a job that pays the bills. And that's what people want. Sure, there are also people that just want to show up and want to take money home. That's totally fine. Not everyone wants to grow and wants to learn and wants to be part of something bigger. But most people are. And if they understand what they contribute to the bigger picture, that's how people are being motivated. It's not money. Money doesn't motivate people. There are countless, countless academic um, research projects that have proven that it, the moment you make money a non-issue, more money doesn't motivate people anymore. It's something beyond money. It's understanding how you contribute to a bigger picture. It's having the freedom to do the work you do every way, every day, the way you want to do it, not because some micromanager is standing behind yeah. you telling you every step on the way. And, and those things do count. And that's what I mean. Making strategy for everyone means helping everyone understand how they contribute and make them feel seen and valued for it. So to be clear, um, you know, what you're saying is this, you know, going and uh, taking a trip to a cabin in the woods for three days and like really like thinking deeply and coming up with this great plan that you're super excited about and then coming back to your team and finding that they don't care whatsoever. That's the wrong way of going about it. Um, how would you, how do we, how do we get our team involved with this process? Are we bringing them to the cabin in the woods also? Do we do little like departmental strate uh, strategic plans or strategy sessions? Like how do we actually get an organization of 25 people, 50 people, maybe more, hundreds of people in some instances involved with the build out of the strategy? Because people tend to care more about things that they helped create, um, and I'm just wondering if you've, if you've seen leaders do that exceptionally well in, in some of the examples that you work with. The job of a leadership team is to acknowledge the facts, the reality, the truth, where they are today, define the picture in the future, where they want to be, the vision statement, basically. And everything in between needs the input of other people. Because just because you founded the business and just because you run the business doesn't mean you know enough to make those decisions alone. So totally fine. Book your weekend in the woods. Go there. The two of you, the five of you, the 10 of you, whoever many you are, and come up with this is why we need to do something. This is how we want this business to look like in two to three years. We think that the priorities in order to get there look like this. And then you take this back to your team and ask for input. Does this make sense? What do you see that we don't see? And thereby you open the strategic process up to the wider public. It doesn't mean you involve everyone. You will have those people that have an 
innate interest in contributing to something like that. And you will have those in your business that don't, totally fine. Make sure that those who want to be heard, that want to contribute, can contribute because they will support the implementation along the way. Yeah. So defining where you start, defining where the end should be, and everything in between needs to be a collaborative approach. Everything in between needs to be a collaborative approach. That's the important part. You're not devising every single step along the way and then instructing your marketing division to go execute, your production division to go execute, uh, whatever else and your whatever else you have in your business. Um, because A, you don't, like you just said, you don't know as much about the inner workings of your business as you think you do. That's the first really important point. But B, you have created this plan or this goal or this vision very unilaterally and are handing it down in a super top-down way that creates no buy-in. And I think that's when there'd be for sure some listener right now that is having a bit of an aha moment because they've done this exact process in the past where they kind of charted the course, the charted the course in too, too much detail. They didn't leave the space between for the team to fill. They went and told them sort of like a dictator would. And then a year later, yeah. they're disappointed with the results. So I really like, I'm glad that you kind of define that. There's nothing wrong with the cabin in the woods, but make sure that nothing you're not overdoing that. it in the cabin in the woods because the people that aren't there need to be involved, you know, a day or a week later in the how, in the in-between steps, right? There is this, there is this incredibly famous writer, um, well, he died a long time ago, Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, who wrote The, the Little Prince. Mm. And um, one of the most famous sentences from de, de Saint-Exupéry was, if you want people to build ships, don't, don't show them how to build ships. Um, teach them about countries far away and, and the yearning of the sea. They will build the ships on their own. That, right. That's what happens in the woods. You create that vision. You create that yearning where people be like, awesome idea. I know what I can do to make this a reality. You yeah. want to leave this to the people. Yeah. I love that. I really, really like that point. What's the, um, what's the third and final do? Don't think it's a straight line. Strategy is a dance. It's two steps forward. Sometimes one step to the side, sometimes even one step back. Um, if you understand it as a dance and have some nice music in your ears, it, makes it less painful to do these side steps and um, be open for someone else to take the lead along the way. So when you dance with someone else, often one person leads and the other person follows. And especially when you are part of a leadership team, allow others to follow and allow others to lead. Mm -hmm. And it needs both also from you, you need to allow yourself to follow and be humble enough to see when someone else has an idea that is really amazing and that wasn't your own. So don't, don't be too cocky just be, because you're leading a business or you found a business, be humble enough to accept the ideas of great people around you. That's why you brought them on in the first place. So there is no, there is no, no reason to bring on great people and then tell them what to do. I think that was Steve Jobs who said that uh, at some point um, or someone else rich and famous. <laughs> I, I like this dance analogy too, because part of it is about the power play dynamic between the, like who's leading versus who's following. But the other thing that I'm reminded of is, is this, um, this tendency that I think I certainly have where you like, I want to, 
and a block out a full day in December and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to get it all done. And by the end of the day, it's done and it's finished. And then I can go and execute and I can forget about it after that. I've, I still have yet to see that work for me. Um, because you you don't get it all done <laughs> or you something you learn something a few days later a few weeks later that you need to go back to the plan and then adapt it a little bit like things things change and so it's not it isn't as open as it's not as open and shut as i originally thought you need you you start with something you work with it for a little bit. You go back to the strategy and make some tweaks to it. You work with that for a little bit. Then you go back later on because some other dynamic or some other force has has shifted. Um, and so this 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 dance analogy makes it sound a little more fluid than static, right? Every one of us knows how it feels when you have this stroke of genius weeks or months after you did something. And we're like, I should have done it that way. Yeah. And that's exactly the same with strategy. Your first thought is exactly that. It's your first thought. It's not necessarily your best thought, but you need to start somewhere. That's why I start writing your strategy down. And then you re revisit it and you test it. You bring others on board. Let mm -hmm. them test your assumption. Let them question um, what you wrote down. Let them stress test it. I mean, writing a book is kind of similar. You start writing and all of a sudden you realize that the book you actually wrote is a completely different book to what you initially set out to write. Yeah. And that never ends. I mean, I finished two books this year and just this morning I was having a shower and I was like, I should have added this point in chapter two. And like, yeah, thank God I've handed the manuscript and it's gone. It's out of my way. It's as good as it could be at that point in time. And I think this is also important to understand. Strategy is never finished. You can tweak a strategy mm. to the illusion of perfection forever, yeah. but that's not what you want to do. You want to start implementing when you're like, that's good enough. We've done enough work. We've gone deep enough. We understand the connections. We understand our strategy. We're not superficial anymore. We've really done the work. Now it's good enough to start implementing and then learn on the way. You uh, can implement an 80% strategy with everything you have and reach more than tweaking it to the illusion of perfection and actually never starting to implement and therefore never start moving. I love that. Yeah. You, there's a lot you can do along the way. It's not as though you start this thing and then you have no opportunities to change course. That's, that's a false belief. Get it to a state where because it's good enough. Because strategy is a framework and yeah. not a step-by-step -step plan. Exactly. That's the difference. And that's why, what so many people don't understand. Yeah. They are afraid that they pigeonhole themselves when they write down a plan, but a strategy is not a plan. A strategy is a framework for decision-making. You, um, we've sort of stumbled into something that I wanted to pick your brain on anyway. This doesn't fit neatly into our do's and don'ts. It's just sort of an, maybe an interesting point to, to, um, to close on, which is, you know, you are a journalist, you're now an author, you write a lot. I, I write a lot as well, not as much as you do. I have, um, become really uh, fascinated with the power of writing, especially for mm -hmm. business people and what that can do for you as a leader in terms of clarifying your own thinking and organizing big picture beliefs and principles and guiding lights that, that matter to you. Yeah. Um, what it does for your ability to communicate and persuade things to other people, what it does to cement in learning for you, what it does to 
enable some like law of attraction stuff where you put it on paper and all of a stuff things all of a sudden things start to to go your way. What can you say about the power of writing and how would you encourage business owners, our listeners in particular to maybe lean into that when they're developing their strategies? Yes to everything you just said. It's it's as simple as that. If you are not able to put your thoughts concisely down on paper, you are not able to communicate them concisely. So before you, that, that's the reason why you write down a speech before you give it. You don't just go on stage and talk. Lots of you people do, man. write down your speech. <laughs> Lots of people try. I don't think it's yeah. the right way of doing it. But And you always know. Yeah. You always know. Because yeah. it simply doesn't make sense. You sit there and be like, it would have been great to hear more about this. Instead, he went off on a tangent in that direction. It's right. like, if you... If you use writing to crystallize your thinking, you understand the loopholes in your own brain, in your own thinking. Because once you write it down and you read it out loud to yourself and it doesn't make sense, chances are it does not make sense to anyone else. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it gives you the opportunity to find the logic breaks, especially when it comes to writing down your vision statement and your strategy. And in that context of strategy, writing is everything. Because just because you're in the woods with your leadership team and you come back, doesn't mean they all have the same understanding as you will have, mm -hmm. even if they were in the woods with you in that cabin. So writing your strategic intent down is extremely important because it takes out the ambiguity. So if you don't do that, maybe two months from now, Someone who was in the woods with you, where you believe that they had, had the same understanding about the strategy as you have, comes around the corner and be like, oh, wait a minute, that's not what I understood. Right. So, and, and that derails everything. You need to align the top team around the strategy and you do this by writing it down and have everyone sign it with blood. Um, it's, a, it's a very, very interesting point. Um, I... I can't help but wonder, like, you know, you think you think about the evolution of our species and how much, how how quickly the pace picked up for human beings when written word was invented. We yeah. lived for millenniums and millennia, millions of years, just handing down information orally. And then you look at sort of like language in writing, what that did to the graph, the printing press, what did that, what that did to the graph. Just like an interesting thing to ponder for a second. Writing is powerful. Would you um, make the case for someone that? maybe isn't the best writer, maybe, uh, maybe hates spelling, maybe has a lack of confidence around this, around this little, uh, thing. Would you just encourage them to, to do it anyway? Just like who, like just who cares about spell check, who cares about grammar, just get it on paper exactly. in the first place. Is that better than nothing? You don't want to publish a book, right? You right. want to write down a strategic plan that you have. No one cares about spelling. No one cares about punctuation. Um, it, this is about capturing your thoughts and understanding whether it makes logic sense or not. Yeah. Um, it's not about perfection. It's about progress. Yeah, I love that. So that should be a part of your uh, cabin in the woods days. Do some writing. Okay, we are running out of time. Uh, the do's and don'ts. Just to recap, don'ts. Don't confuse strategy with tactics. Don't think you're there when you're not. Uh, and don't avoid going into the details. The do's would be create an emotional connection with it. 
uh, make strategy for everyone and understand that strategy is a dance. Um, reminder guys, if you want to download our one page strategic planning framework, uh, it will be in the downloads. There's also going to be a link to connect with Alex, but maybe you could just say it into the mic for us here as we end how, how, and where should people connect with you if, if they want to learn more about your work, get help with their strategy, uh, or just ask you some questions. The easiest way is for my website, alexthestrategist.com, all in one word. Um, you, you can reach out there. There's a connect button. Um, there's tons of free resources on my website from um, a free video series about how to actually start writing a vision that is rational and emotional um, and all kinds of things. And you find me on LinkedIn as well. I really appreciate you being here, Alex. Um, it's been a ton of fun. We will have to do another one in the future. Um, so I just want to say thanks for, for carving out the time to prep this and then do it with me. It's been, uh, it's been very enlightening. Appreciate it. I really enjoyed the conversation with you, Benji. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for watching this episode of Contractor Evolution. If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.